Money Pit is presented by Jaws, Centurion Tools, and Greenworks. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we're here to help you be comfortable in your home. If you've got a project that you'd like to get done, give us a call right now. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. As you tackle projects big and small, we're here as part of your team. So give us a call. Let's talk it through. We'll get it done together. Coming up on today's show, for a home to be healthy, it has to breathe, right? And and that's why ventilation is important. But if your home is really energy efficient, could it potentially be too airtight for healthy living? Well, turns out that it actually can be, and it may require extra ventilation to maintain that fresh air supply. We're going to tell you how best to get that done without wasting energy. And if one of your favorite foods or maybe your kid's favorite is pizza, imagine being able to grow all of your favorite pizza toppings right in your own backyard. You can if you have your own pizza garden. We're going to have some tips on how you can do that in just a bit. And with Earth Day around the corner, we're going to share tips on earth-friendly cleaning products that are safe and effective. Plus, we're going to fill your garden shed with some new tools this hour because we're giving away two great tools from Centurion. They're premium bypass pruner and anvil lopper. They're so durable that they'll be super useful this spring and for many springs to come. Yep, those tools are worth 50 bucks, but they're going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Call us now with your home improvement questions at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? And in Iowa, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Yes, I have a, a front porch stoop. It's uncovered for the most part, four foot by about 15, and half of it was built over 100 years ago, and the concrete is kind of crumbly. What's the best way to cover it? You know, restore it, make it smooth. So um, you can restore deteriorated concrete. There are products that are designed especially for that purpose. The mistake that most people make is they use sort of a standard cement in trying to, like, stucco over that. But you have to use uh, products that are designed to adhere to the old concrete. Quickrete has a line of products that do that. A lot of them are epoxy based, so they stick really, really well. Uh, and I've seen some some uh, resurfacing materials that actually are so strong. When you try to pull them apart, they actually pull apart the old concrete, but they stick so well that they can do that. Um, there is one called Recap, R E C A P, that I've used that worked really well that Quickrete makes, and you can put that on over that whole surface, and it'll just smooth it out, look like a brand-new uh, concrete porch. Some of the, the divots and gouges are like half an inch, three-quarters of an inch deep. That, that should be okay. Thick? Yeah, I forget how, how thick it can go, but but that's pretty minor. That should be fine. And, and, if, and if, it's too, if it exceeds it, I would read the instructions on it. If it exceeds what they recommend, then you would simply use a patching compound underneath it and then perhaps put the recap over top of the whole thing. And how about standing up to cold temperatures? We get a lot of ice and snow here. Yeah, see, that's the point. You can't. That's why you use a product like that because it adheres. It's designed to stick to the old concrete. Anything else you do will split off in the cold weather. But these products are designed to adhere to stick, and they won't separate. Okay, wonderful. All right, Annie. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. 
Sergio in Arizona has a question about water heating. What can we do for you? So I have a tankless water heater that was uh, put into our house before we moved in. The okay. plumber forgot to put the uh, hose on the, um, what is it, the uh, condensate outlet. So my question is, um, that water that's coming out of there is dripping into a bucket now. Right. Can I use that water, or do you guys happen to know if it's acidic? It's condensation. It should not be acidic. I, I think you can use it. Yeah. I mean, usually you drain it outside. Um, it, now, it's going to a bucket, and typically if you don't, it depends on how your, like, the, the system is set up. But if it's if it drains down towards the floor and your plumbing is up high, as most is, typically it would drain into a condensate pump, which is a small pump, about eh, 6 by 9, 6 by 12 kind of pump. It sits on the floor. It's float actuated. And then you'd have a hose on that, and it would just go up a small tube, I mean, like the tube's like less than a half of an inch in diameter. And then you'd like either drill a hole through the outside wall right about level with the floor and let it go out into the garden. Um, or you okay. could drop it into a drain if you had one. But, uh, you know, I don't see any reason you couldn't use that water. And I commend you for trying to be very earth friendly <laughs> in this, the 50th anniversary yeah. of Earth Day, right this year. So, uh, why not? I don't yeah, see any reason awesome. you can't. Yep. Right, no, and that was my other question. We have a organic uh, raised bed in the backyard, so that that uh, tinker's water heaters in the front, so I'd have to be poking a hole out in the front wall, which leads to nowhere. So mm-hmm. I was wondering, can I dump that? So that that was my question. Can I dump that water into our raised bed garden in the backyard? Yeah, I think I think you can. Yep, that was my question. I couldn't get a solid answer anywhere in town. Really, everybody's like fifty fifty. You know, it's city, don't <laughs> use it, and some were saying yes, use it. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just pure condensation, so I don't think it's an issue. All right, well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eighty eight Money Pit. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, this time of year, everybody's got spring projects on their mind and on their to-do list, and since we're all able to work in our yards, have we got a great prize for you. We've got it for grabs, the Centurion brand's large-to-small grip premium bypass pruner. It's got an adjustable grip, so it works for a smaller hand like mine to a bigger hand like Tom's, all with the flip of a switch. And it'll work for all different kinds of branches, whether it's thin or heavy. It's really a great tool. It's got a high-carbon blade. It stays sharper longer. Plus, we're adding in an anvil lopper, so you'll have two premium tools to help with all your spring, summer, and fall yard work. That's right. The package of Centurion tools is worth over 50 bucks. going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you post your question to moneypit.com or call us right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Next up, we've got Jim in Massachusetts with a question about a chimney. What's going on? I don't have a liner in my chimney, but I only burn, burn oil. Do I need a liner in my chimney? So you're only burning oil now. So you have an oil boiler or an oil furnace? Yes. How old is the furnace itself? Oh, the unit's uh, about 30 years old. Mm. Well, technically, uh, you really should. It's it's best practice to have it. You don't know what the condition of the inside of that chimney is, and especially if you're going to replace that uh, heating system, because at 30 years old, it's getting you know well past the end of a normal life cycle. And the newer um, HVAC systems are much more efficient, which means they have much more moisture, and the moisture is very acidic uh, that goes up the chimney, and that could be a problem as well. So I think eventually you're going to have to line that. Now, lining it does not have to be such a big deal because – if that chimney is only serving the heating system, uh, there is like a, a stainless steel liner that can be dropped down that's kind of like, uh, you know, like the old dryer exhaust ducts that were plastic and they sort of unfolded like an accordion? Well, they're kind of like that, but they're made of stainless steel. 
and and the pros drop them right from the top of the chimneys all the way down and hook them right up and instantly literally within an hour or two of work you've got a fully lined chimney it's not like in the old days when you had to like drop like um there used to be the system where you drop a bladder down the chimney and pour like a slurry around it. it was really expensive this is a lot simpler so i would say for your safety and future efficiency it would be best if you did put a liner in the chimney and that's how you would do it okay uh, do you have any uh, recommendations for anybody because i'm getting a bit, uh i've had two uh estimates already both of them over five thousand dollars it doesn't surprise me what i would suggest you do is go to homeadvisor.com now, at Home Advisor or at Angie's List, you can uh, put in the details of your project, and then you could read reviews about contractors that are available in your area to do that, and then select or hear directly from these contractors and have them uh, at least uh, give you an additional price. I like these services because of the reviews. They're done by uh, customers just like yourself, and I think they're very reliable. Nice way to determine the quality of the work. I've done this many times, probably a half dozen times, and one time I did it with a water heater that had gone at my sister's house, and she didn't know how to find a pro and needed one right away. I did exactly what I'm telling you, uh, and, boy, she found a great one. In fact, uh, as evidenced by the fact that uh, about a year and a half after this, the uh, water heater stopped working, and, man, that pro was there, lickety-split, figured out what was wrong, figured out that the part was covered by a warranty, and, and had her back with hot water within a day. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds good. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Give it a shot. I'm sure it'll work out well for you. Well, an energy-efficient home can save homeowners big on energy and cash, but since they're so airtight, they also often require extra ventilation to maintain a healthy indoor air environment. And that's exactly where mechanical ventilation steps in. Now, it may seem sort of counterintuitive to think that we have to let air into a building when we've pretty much been doing everything possible to keep those drafts out. But that's kind of what you got to do. Yeah, homes of the past were naturally leaky, and they let in enough outside air in, and that would help with the ventilation, getting rid of contaminants, you know, ranging from things like chemicals and building materials and furniture to even germs and toxins. But now new energy-efficient homes don't have that many little gaps and voids where those drafts can slip through. And as a result, we need to strategically bring fresh air inside without undoing that home's efficiency. So if you want to bring in fresh air and you want to do so without wasting energy, there are really two approaches that are pretty common. The first one is called a heat recovery ventilator, or HRV. It pulls in fresh air while exhausting stale air, and it lets the heat that's found within that stale exhaust air sort of preheat the incoming fresh air. So it kind of shares its heat with the fresh air on the way out of your house. And then as an added bonus, you can use less energy bringing outdoor air up to room temperature. So it's basically a lot more efficient way to do it. It does, however, require a fan to run continually. The other option is called an ERV or energy recovery ventilator. And it pretty much does everything an HRV does, but it goes kind of a little further. It will also capture humidity from the air and it usually does much better in warmer climates. So if you're trying to decide between the two, it really depends on your moisture level. If your house is in a humid area, if it's humid in the winter, the HRV is going to be a better bet. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Susan in Tennessee, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I was calling because I have a large room that was converted from a garage into a living room. Mm-hmm. But it's got some dark, ugly paneling on it. And what's the best way to remove it, or how do you undo paneling? I mean, it really depends on how much work you want to do and how that paneling that's there was attached to the existing structure. Now, it was the garage previously? Yes, and it was, like, ridiculous. It it was paneled, and, like, it was a really elite garage when we moved in. It was crazy. Now, do you know, is the paneling just attached directly to the studs of the wall, or is it attached by glue to drywall? Have you had any clue what's behind it? I don't. I wonder if there's a place, you know, where you can lift up a piece of trim or remove a switch plate and see what's sort of going on with that, because it could be that it was a garage. It could just be that the paneling was put directly onto those studs, and then you could pull that off and have a clean slate and just go ahead and put some drywall up, and while you're at it, add some insulation, because if it was a garage, there's a good chance there wasn't any there before. Now, if you do find that it was attached to some drywall, It's probably glued on and everything behind it's going to be a mess. So you've got two choices there. You can either just make that paneling look attractive by painting it. And you know what? When paneling is painted like a glossy white or a glossy neutral color, it actually doesn't look so bad. It can kind of be that great, interesting base texture with sort of a modern country feel, if that makes sense. Um, But if that's something that you're like, oh, God, no, I don't even want to see it. You can easily go over with quarter inch drywall. The only thing is where you've got, you know, switches or outlets or trimming, those things are going to have to bump out a little bit. So that requires a little bit of carpentry, but it's not the end of the world. And it is a do it yourself project. Okay. So it really depends on what it's over. Depends on what it's over, how it's attached, and how involved you want to get. Okay, well, I guess the first thing I will need to do then is take a piece off or figure that out and go from there. Don't sound so down. It's not a difficult project. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I appreciate the advice. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Chris in Ohio is taking on some remodeling projects and needs some help figuring out a way to finance. What can we do for you? So I've got a, uh, it's like a Cape Cod house, and I was thinking about putting some new windows in. Okay. And I was wondering about the the cost that would be involved, and I was thinking either Anderson or Pella windows. Have you talked to any window companies yet? I have not. I figured, you know, I figured I'd have a couple of reps come out and give me some estimates. Right. Okay. I was kind of hoping you guys might be able to ballpark it for me. Well, it's hard to say. I, I mean, it really depends on the size of the window and the style of the window, but, you know, probably at least a few hundred dollars a window for an Anderson or a Pella. You know, they're sort of high end. You, you also sure. could, lo- you also could look at some of the baseline windows that are sold. You could order replacement windows at Home Depot, for example. I've, I've put, I've ordered many over the years that are vinyl clad and stand up very, very well and have an energy star rated glass in it. So you have many options on, on the windows. How do you want to pay for this? Are you thinking about paying cash or are you going to get a loan or, or what? Uh, I was thinking about paying cash. Get a discount for, by paying cash? Um, possibly if you're dealing, if you're dealing with uh, an independent window contractor, maybe, but okay. I wouldn't focus on that as much as just find the right pro. 
You know, you could reach okay. out to, through HomeAdvisor.com. You could submit a request for window companies and, um, and determine on their website which are the best rated. That's one way to find some pros in your area. But I will tell you this. Make sure you purchase an Energy Star rated windows, and there's going to be a like a certification uh, on the window. Each window is going to have a National Fenestration Rating Council code on it, and it's going to talk about how efficient the glass is, and it's kind of a standard that you can use to compare different types of windows. But if you make sure the windows are Energy Star rated, that's a really good place to be because there's a lot of confusion out there uh, because a lot of the window companies are going to may use a substandard manufacturer and 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 somebody called not too long ago and uh and you know boy the, t- the tall tales that uh, these guys were making up about uh, the, how the other guys windows were bad was really was really crazy but the thing is people just don't know so if you stick with a reliable brand and you're you're getting an energy star rated window i don't think you can go wrong now we've got gwen in virginia on the line who needs some help protecting her kitchen wall how can we help you i actually saw this product at a show uh, an invention, female adventure show that was being aired, was being taped in uh, Chicago. And this lady, she had a product that you take it and it just sort of uh, sticks to the wall. She had it in different colors that it would blend in with your kitchen wall or uh, if you wanted to have a stainless steel look. But it was just a piece of uh, uh, material that went behind the trash can that when you hit, when you would step on the flip tops, it would hit up against that uh, area and would not damage the wall. And then when you decided that you wanted to either move your trash can to another area in the house or you were tired of that particular pattern, you could just peel it off. It didn't mess up the paint, but it protected the wall. So it was like a sticker. That's interesting. I got a couple of ideas for you on that. First of all, you don't need an invention. You could simply put a, a, a small piece of clear plexiglass on the wall using double-sided tape. Or the second thing you could do, which is even easier, is you could add a bumper to the top of the of the garbage can so that when it comes up, it doesn't scuff the wall. You could use like a felt-tip uh, bumper on it. Or even if you go to like child-proofing, you know, in the child-proofing section of, you know, any baby store, you'll find that rubber edging that you can put on coffee tables and things and you know uh-huh. you put a piece like that right on the edge of the garbage can okay thank you art in pennsylvania's on the line working on some storm repair tell us what happened about a month ago we had a windstorm and it took off like three sections of shingles off of the roof and i, I was able to retrieve them they was uh, ironically in pretty good shape but i remember seeing uh a program on pbs where they were redoing uh, homes down in Florida in, in the section where they get a lot of uh, storms down there, and I think there is a requirement for the way that shingles are to be installed down there. And I'm thinking, uh, if, if I remember it right, and I didn't have a chance to see the whole program, but on mine, when I took mine off, there was only like three nails in each uh, piece of shingle there. And I think, if I remember correctly, that down there they were requiring that uh, – there will be more nails than that used to install shingles. Well, Art, your your goal now is to replace these shingles that, that you lost, and did you save the shingles? Were they intact enough to use the actual shingle for the repair? Because this way the color will match. Yes, yes, they were. They, they were in very good shape, yes. All right, so then what I would do is I'd get back up there and, and you know, assuming you can do this safely, and you'll nail the new shingles back in. You want to put nails... 
You can put them pretty much where the old nails were, but but of course not in the same holes because they're going to be broken through now. You can't really put too many nails on them. If you want to put an extra nail or two, that's fine. But the key is after you get done nailing all of these down again, what I want you to do is to get um, an asphalt cement, and you can get it in a caulking tube and put a little dab under the loose end of the shingle so that the tab presses down and reseals. Because when shingles are new, they have an adhesive on the back of the tab that seals it to the shingle below. But when they're torn off, that, that adhesive is gone. So you put a little dab of asphalt cement in there, and that will keep it uh, in place and stop it from sort of lifting up the next time you get a strong wind that comes across it. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, I thank you very much. It's been very helpful. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, a pizza garden is a fun way to get the whole family involved in gardening. Plus, it's a great way for parents to sneak in some veggies. So here's what you need to know. First of all, let's talk about the space. You don't really need a lot of space for your own pizza garden. A four by four area is just about perfect. You can even make them in a circle and mark off areas and wedges like a pizza. Just something a little fun. Give them motivation if it looks a little more fun. Raised beds do work wonderfully for this type of garden. You just have to make sure that your soil is well mixed, drained, and ready to go. Yep. Now, next, you want to pick out your tomatoes. They're really the key to pizza sauce, so they're definitely a must. Roma tomatoes are the choice when making sauces. But if you're going to go for the small compact garden in the 4 by 4 foot area, then you only need one plant because they look so small, but man, do they grow big. And next, you want to pick out your peppers. You're going to want to choose bell pepper plant or really a bell pepper and a banana pepper plant. If you go with those early varieties, make sure that they're a good choice for your growing area because we want everything to be harvested at the same time. Now, what's a pizza without the spices? It would be boring. So pizzas are Italian in nature. So let's think about those types of spices. We're talking basil, parsley, and rosemary. So you can plant one or two and use them fresh or dry those herbs for later use as well. You just snip off what you need and that plant keeps growing. And don't forget about the onions. Now, onion bulbs are quick and easy to plant. They can be harvested as green onions or allowed to develop into the bigger full-sized onions. And they're super delicious. It is a super fun project for you and the kids. And once everything in your garden is set, you'll be delighted in how much fun it will be to see that pizza garden growing and growing and growing. Pam in Missouri is on the line with a lighting question. How can we help you today? I have fluorescent lights in my kitchen and two other rooms, and they are recessed into the ceiling. They're the kind like you would put maybe into a shop, you know, those three or four foot long tubes. Yes. Uh The eight bulbs that I hear are going away. What can I do? So... Are you having trouble finding the bulbs? Is that what you're concerned about? I am not now, but I hear that they will be not used anymore. Yeah, but they last so darn long. Why don't you just go shop online and buy a case of them and call it a day? You know, <laughs> I mean, really, they're they're yeah, they'll be harder to find. But I mean, they're going to be available because a lot of there's a lot of uh, industrial uh, folks that use those in offices and that sort of thing. So I would I wouldn't fret too much about that. Listen, if you want to change your lights at some point. Then you can plan that project, but I wouldn't tell you to rip out and remove your all your lighting fixtures now just because you're worried about a supply problem. I just go pick up a case of these things; they last forever, uh, and then uh, you know put the project off until you're ready to do some real remodeling. I'd rather do that because otherwise I have a big hole in the ceiling that would have to be yeah, passed. exactly. Well, it's a it's a bigger project for you because they're they're built in, so you're gonna have to take them out. You're gonna have to drywall over the holes. It's a big job. So no, I would just pick up a case of the bulbs and uh, live with it for a while. Okay, great. And now that spring, you're probably outside doing a bit of gardening in your space. And if you are, we've got a great tool 
to give away this hour that could help you with some of those projects. It's from Centurion Brands. It's the large to small grip premium bypass pruner. It's the adjustable grip bypass is kind of cool because it can change for those that have large or small grips with a flick of the switch. You can actually handle cutting branches up to about an inch thick. So it's really, really handy for all kinds of cutting and pruning jobs. And the blades are also Teflon coated, so you get really smooth cuts without sticking, which always happens to me, and I hate it. Plus, we got an anvil lopper throwing in from Centurion, so you'll have two great tools to help with all your spring, summer, and fall yard work. Those products are worth 50 bucks, but going out to one listener drawn at random. You can call us with your question, 888-MONEYPIT, or you can post your question to qualify as well at moneypit.com. Stephen in Texas, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have two bathrooms side by side. They're divided by one wall. I'm thinking of taking the wall out and combining the two bathrooms. You should approach this project very carefully, Stephen, and here's why. Because the number of bathrooms in a house is has a direct relationship with the value of a house. There's a difference between, you know, a, a house with two bathrooms and a house with one bathroom and a house with, you know, one full bath and one half bath. So if you're going to eliminate an entire full bathroom from the house, that will reduce your home value. Now, that might be okay if you're not concerned about that or you just want a bigger, you know, bigger bathroom and you're just kind of willing to, to, to deal with that. But unfortunately, the way homes are valued, and you can check with the local realtor and ask this very same question. I think you're going to get a similar answer. Will your home be worth less if you combine two bathrooms into a single bathroom? And I think the answer is going to be yes. Yeah, but Stephen, I'm all for quality of life. If you want that big bathroom, you should have a big bathroom. There's something I've been dream, you know, kind of dreaming, thinking about for, for quite some time. uh, Well, maybe maybe you should do it. We just don't want you to do it um, without having all the facts. Would I have to bust the slab out in order to relocate drainage pipes? Uh, Yes. If you're not going to put the fixtures back in the same place, uh, you will have to break the slab out to get the the pipes where you want them. You're going to probably end up extending... The, you know, extending the drain line to like where the old location used to be. So yes, there is going to be some demolition involved in that project as well. Okay. Now, how, what is that going to do to the, to the structural integrity of the slab? Oh, it won't. Well, it's obviously going to destroy the slab in that area, but the slab is not load bearing in the, in the areas where you're going to be breaking it apart. It's not, it won't have an effect on the foundation because you won't be impacting the exterior walls. You're going to be breaking apart the slab in the thinner sections where it's, you know, four or five inches thick. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, Earth Day is next week, and it's a good time to think about using products to keep our homes clean that are effective, safe, and friendly to the earth. And Jaws, the Just Add Water System, has a line of six cleaners that does just that. Every Jaws cleaner is streak-free, versatile, and eco-friendly, and you can refill and reuse the Jaws spray bottles instead of having to purchase new bottles every single time. Yeah, a great way to try out the Jaws line is with the Jaws Ultimate Cleaning Kit. Now, you're going to get a full range of cleaning products for every hard surface in your home, six empty, heavy-duty, reusable bottles, two refill pods, each of all six Jaws cleaners, including glass cleaner, daily shower cleaner, kitchen degreaser, floor cleaner, granite and natural stone cleaner, and Jaws disinfectant cleaner. Plus, Money Pit listeners can save 25% by using the promo code MONEYPIT at checkout, and you can get free shipping. So rethink the way you clean. Try JAWS, the Just Add Water system, and remember to use the promo code MONEYPIT at JAWSCLEANS.com. Heidi in North Carolina is on the line with an electrical problem. How can we help you today? Well, I have a kind of a two-part question. I have an older home. It's about 68 years old. Um, we paid an electrician to come in when we converted over to a heat pump from an oil furnace, 
um, to up our service. And um, we have an old fuse box that are the screw-in type fuses. And when he put the system in the new um, um, electrical box, he was supposed to convert everything over into the new electrical box. And he left the little electrical box, the little fuse box in my kitchen. And unfortunately, he put the new electrical box on the outside of my house. I would be okay, except I'm a single woman, and I don't, you know, safety reasons, I don't think it's really smart, considering I have a full-size right. basement that could easily be put in. So do I need to, I mean, I would never call this guy again um, for lots of reasons, but do I need to pay somebody else to come in and convert that last part of my home into this other fuse box? Or, um, you know, these little fuses are hard to find, and, you know, when they blow... So it's definitely an active panel, right? The fuse panel? Oh, it's active, yes, sir. Okay. So that's called a sub-panel, and that's going to be a, a sub-panel from the main panel. You said the main panel is now in the basement, and the main panel is outside? It's outside. We have a full basement, and why he put it outside, I have no clue, but he put the main panel. Yeah, that makes no sense, because the only time you usually see full panels outside is maybe a condominium situation, and then they're in utility closets. So I can't imagine why that was done that way. It it doesn't make sense. It sounds to me like you do need a better electrician to come in and take care of this. If it makes you feel any better, the fact that you have a fuse box does not mean that it's unsafe. Fuses are actually quite safe if it's the right size fuse matched against the wire that's hooked up to that circuit. And so to know if that's the case, somebody has to open the panel and say, okay, this is number 14 wire, so it's a 15 amp fuse, and this is number 12 wire, so it's a 20 amp fuse, and so on, and physically write that like right above the fuse on the panel so you know what size to put in there. Because it's too easy with a fuse box to put in a 20 amp fuse on a wire that's only rated for 15 amps, then of course that's potentially unsafe. So it does sound like you need another electrician. It's obviously not a do-it-yourself project. And unless there's some compelling code reason in your part of the country to put that outside, I don't understand why they would have done that. And, you know, you could you could consider rerunning it back to the inside. And, and unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at. It's not an easy fix. It's one that's going to require uh, the investment of a good electrician. All right. Well, thank you very much. Got some questions that just came in here. This week, starting with Mark in New Jersey. That's right. Mark writes, I'm upcycling some accent pieces that we had in storage for my living room, but I'm struggling with putting them together. Is there a secret? Well, I mean, without actually seeing the pieces or your room, it's hard to say, put this there and put that over here. But I think you want to try to group things, you know, in a variety of shapes, sizes, and colors. So maybe try a low arrangement on your coffee table, add height by leaning artwork against a wall, maybe positioning some items in front of a mirror. You've got to layer, layer, layer. So I always like to, if I have, say, a standing mirror or a leaning mirror, I maybe put like a little poof or a little ottoman, something like that in front of it, you know, just off to the corner or maybe a little stack of decorative boxes with something like a vase or something decorative on top. For coffee tables, depends on how big that coffee table is and if you actually use that table or if it's more for just show in the room. If it's just for show in the room, I always like to do, you know, staggered layers of different books at different heights. You can always buy books by the foot in different colors from a bunch of vendors online. And that really helps create a cohesive look with books or at least a color palette that you're trying to achieve. And then I add, I'm really into adding like, 
crystals or something natural, like some succulents. I always mix up these types of things. And that's really what it's about. Mixing metals, mixing organics, mixing color, something like that. And you'll be on your way to a great space. All right. For the rest of the guys in America that are with me, I have to ask you, what's a poof? <laughs> a poof is like a small, round ottoman. They're like Moroccan poofs, like the leather ones that come in a bunch of really fantastic colors. And they have like an overlay embroidery sometimes in the same color or a different color. They're called poofs. I had no idea. Poof. Fantastic. Like I learned something new today. A poof. a poof. It's all those technical terms. It's a fun one. All right. We got another question, another decor question from Sarah in Oregon. She says, I like my neutral bedroom, but it lacks personality. Are there ways to make it more interesting without adding color? I guess she loves the neutral, but she uh, at the same time wants to spice it up a little bit, but not change the paint color, I guess. I mean, I think it's the same thing here, Sarah. You know, with with neutral colors, remember that a neutral color is many colors. There's neutral forms of gray, shades of white, shades of beige. You know, there's all different tones within that neutral family. So you can layer in those tonal differences in that same color family. Plus, if you add in things like different stones or rocks, again, crystals are really fantastic. And I'm not talking about like, oh, a shiny something. I'm talking about more of like an organic geode that has a very neutral tone, some organic beads that look like maybe they're made out of wood. You can have bring in, you know, wood bowls, different things like that, that have that same sort of neutral palette, but different textures, different tones. And that's really a way to layer it. And remember for your bedding, go different ways, you know, go different fabrics, like um, different linens, different things like that. So you can see different textures that make you feel like there's more color in the room. And you know what works well in any room? A poof. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to use that word all the time. Uh, all the you're time. welcome. <laughs> This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope that we've inspired you with some ideas and projects that you can tackle right where you are without having to travel out. There's lots of things that you can do to make your home safer and more comfortable and more pleasant to spend time in both inside and out. Remember, if you've got questions, we are here with you. We are available 24-7 by calling us at one 888 or you can post your questions at moneypit.com. For now, that's all the time we have. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a body pit.